podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, Aston Villa fans, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast as we look forward to Aston Villa versus Newcastle and look forward to being back at Villa Park in the league again, Paddy. It's been almost a month, I think, since Villa have played at home in the league. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, a bit of a homecoming, and hopefully they'll be able to do it under lights tomorrow uh, against Newcastle. Because I think it's a huge game. I think it's a massive game. Massive, massive game, yeah. To like to 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 keep the daylight between the likes of ourselves and um, Manchester United and Newcastle is what ultimately will keep us up that part of the table. So, um, absolutely huge game. Uh, uh, I'm gonna say must win, but definitely do not lose. I think is the mm-hmm. is the is the motto tomorrow, and, and will be um, against Manchester United next week. Um, it's it, there, there's a, a, going to be a tough few weeks ahead where, where we're going to really need to grind out results. Um, and hopefully tomorrow is the start of it. I'd really love to see them get three points and spur them into this this run of fixtures. Yeah, and, and look, I suppose, the, yeah, as you said, this run of fixtures would be dictation, I think, of of, of of where we go. It won't be the be-all and end-all regards to where we'll finish, but it'll go a damn long way to to dictating, I suppose, where we do finish or not. And, and we're coming up against the Newcastle team, Paddy, and in a lot of ways that yeah they're hitting a bit of form they've uh, they've you know, they've been playing well recently they've been getting good starts they've been they've been having good purple patches in games recently but they've not really put together 90 minutes um as as much as you would have thought that as much as they did last year and what i'm trying to get at here is like we're talk we're going to talk about our injuries in a moment but they're missing a ton of players themselves as well and um i just the fact that when I think about the first game of the season where we were bullied in midfield by Tonali, by Joe Linton, um, they brought on Harvey Barnes at the, towards the end of the game. Callum Winston came on as well. None of those are going to be available. None of them. And Nick Pope won't be in goals. None of those are going to be in, going to be available. So it's it's a huge kind of turnaround from the start of the season because, yes, we're going to be without Poe Torres. He didn't play that game. Um, And realistically, when we look at it, the only player that... Uh, uh, I suppose that we we would be missing that has played lots of time bar Pau Torres this season is Luca Dean. So uh, on the balance of and and actually Newcastle might even be without Miguel Almiron tomorrow. Like they, he might even be mightn't even be playing depending on what happens transfer wise. I would imagine. So it's a really interesting game from a lineup point of view, and I'm looking forward to the team sheet tantrum tomorrow. I didn't hear anything about Miguel Almiron. Is he supposed to be on his way out? Saudis. All right. Okay. Big bag of money for him, apparently. You sure they don't want uh, to take Coutinho on a permanent transfer up there? <laughs> if Coutinho's hamstring wasn't made out of cheese strings, then he'd be, um, uh, I'd say he'd probably be gone already. He'd probably be with Inter Miami at the moment. But it seems that, uh, you know, he's struggling. He, he has been struggling for game time in Qatar um, with uh, with injuries. But hell surprise, I think the phrase is. 
Yeah, uh, look, it's 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 a frustrating one, and and probably one that we we may regret in the grand scheme of financial fair play is taking him in there. It was a risk. We knew from the start it was a risk, but sure look, um, yeah, as you said, completely different look to this to this Newcastle side compared to the the very well organised and very well drilled one that we played at the start of the season, um, without more or less a backbone there that could. Uh, that could really give us, and, and and I suppose that the big two is the Joe Linton and and Tonali in, in midfield. Although Tonali probably had his worst game in that game, a very little to do against Villa. Um, he he was he was largely ineffective, but um, yeah, they're they're a really good side. And and look, that's that's not me being flippant. There's there's big big players there that can still change the game. Um, we know that Gordon can can blow hot and cold. We know uh, Isaac is lethal once he's given mm. a chance. Trippier from from set pieces, uh, Bruno Gumarej, um, you know. But then you know you got Young Miley. You've got probably Longstaff as, as the other two midfield, and um, the back four strong enough. Apart from maybe Danborn, still a, still a bit of a, a question mark of whether he can play a left back. But uh, Botman and Shear scored two, at the two. weekend. Two really good, yeah. He did against Fulham, yeah. Um, really interesting game against that against Fulham. You know, that they Fulham had most of the possession, albeit they were at home. Um, they had 14 shots to Newcastle's eight, yes. Still managed to end up on the losing side. Um, strange kind of game, I would imagine. I didn't see it, I just saw the goals. Um, like most people probably did. Well, I think it was only the, the only live match was on at that time. I just didn't get to see it because I think I was watching something more interesting. Rugby, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, yeah. And, and look, I suppose when we look at the settled nature of our team, I don't expect a massive change to our setup tomorrow. Number one, because we probably don't. Like, there's one person I didn't mention there. I think Jacob Ramsey will be out. He more or less said that he's not going to make tomorrow. <laughs> I think it would be a miracle if he does. Um, they want to be cautious with him. We'll talk about him in a different light in a moment, I suppose. But I would imagine this game kind of smacks to me as well tomorrow, Paddy, where we go back to Kanza right back and uh, and and uh, probably have Bailey, Dia, Bailey, and Dia, uh, Bailey and McGinn, McGinn to the left-hand side, Bailey to the right-hand side, Diaby playing in behind Watkins. And a lot of people might want that because I know that there's an awful lot of rumblings at the minute around um, Diaby, his form and so on. Um, not like I think a lot of it is with regards to look at the end of the day, players who are cost 50 million or 40 million or 30 million or whatever, and they're playing up top, you kind of expect them to score goals and get assists. Mm. Um, and when they go prolonged periods of the year without without that, without that happening, like it's it's assumed that there's not much happening for them. Um, Diaby is somebody I think that does need to. He does need a, a kind of a standout game again, if for nothing else, just to remind himself he can do it. Um, because he's an absolutely fantastic player. We know it. We've seen it. We raved about him already at the start of the yeah. season, and um, it's just he's been he's been kind of on his heels since he got that back injury in and around the middle of November. He's been kind of on his heels since, and uh, I but I still think he's going to start this game. I definitely do, and I, yeah, I think that's I think I'd, I'd, setup. I do, I do believe it starts. Um, we've had this discussion before. I, I, I probably, probably would rather see him deployed a little bit differently, in order to stretch the game and and stay a bit wider away from uh, from um, 
Ollie Watkins, I think, is very congested in there against certain teams, although I believe it won't be as congested tomorrow because they're in dire need of the points. They, they need to stay within touching distance of us, so they're going to come and go at us from the start, I would imagine. So it's going to be a completely different game. With regards to the Abbey, pe- people are okay if they, if they want to, you know, if, they, if we paid £50 million, if we're not getting the return, people are well within the right to to complain. Um, we complained, <laughs> me and you complained so long about Bailey and not getting the return from him, and, and it's coming. Albeit, I don't want to wait two years for Diaby to do the same thing. So, um, whether it looked like he was going to hit the ground running when he came in, it hasn't exactly been that way since then. So, I, I do, I do get what you're saying. He does need something to kickstart this, and you know what? Maybe this run of games where he's going, to, where he's going to play two games a week for the next few weeks, it could, it could be exactly what he needs. But let's let's get off let's get off to a good start. And, and I'm not not even not even goals. He's been largely ineffective as well. So um, without the goals being even an issue, um, we know he can stick it away. He scored that great goal against Newcastle on the opening day as well. Mm. Um, so we know he has it in his locker. I just I'm just not sure he's been deployed the right way, especially in games where where um, we're having to go against a, a, a parked bus. And there's very little room for him to, to make any inroads within within that uh, that area between the, the the two edges of the box. So, yeah, I would I would like to see him pull out of there and see see what he's like with a bit of pace, and um, see him switch see him switch up maybe even between him and Bailey on, on the wing, and just to see if he can give us that something a little bit different because we did see him a couple of times. Um, escapes me now. Was it the West Ham game where he, where he dropped a bit deeper and ran at them? Um, and Brighton as well, I think, if memory serves me correct. Um, there was definitely two games there in between where he, where he was exceptionally good but wasn't playing as tight to Watkins as he has been recently. So, look, we'll see how it goes. But the most important thing is we get three points tomorrow, no matter how they come. I would love I would love at some stage, maybe not tomorrow, but I would love at some stage to see Diaby on the right, Bailey on the left. We've said it before. Bailey had a cameo. On the left, and I can't even remember what game it was, but I remember the two of us came on here and absolutely raved about how much more he drove at the box from that position. Mm-hmm. He was he was wide, like he was he had chalk in his boots kind of um situation with him on the left hand side, and it just so it looked so alien from the point of view that he's always played on that right hand side since he's come into Villa. And then that one time he's moved all out to the left, he just looked he looked way more electric. And this is just before he's kind of the form really started to come back for him at Aston Villa. Uh, it was early on in the season. I think it might have even been. I think it could might have even been um, the game against Rinsky. I think that might have been where he was played on the left hand side, or maybe it was one mm. of the games against Hibbs or something like that. Now the opposition wasn't top notch, but um, still he put in the performance that we've been screaming and looking for for a while. I'd love to see him deployed out there with uh, with the Abbey on the right hand side. Give us proper width tomorrow, um, and play McGinn through the centre. Play McGinn through the centre. Um, he has the engine to be able to get back into that kind of three-quarter level. Doesn't even need to be box to box. He gets back into that three-quarter level. He's the engine to get up and to um to get up beside Ali Watkins. And you know McGinn can strike him in the back of the net. McGinn can assist like the best, uh, like the best of them. He's one of the best dribblers we have with the ball this season as well. Play him a bit more central. We've we see how he plays there against Scotland. I'd like to try it. I'm not holding out hope for it tomorrow. But I'd like to try it tomorrow. I'd like to try it at some stage this season because it just seems like we could be made to stretch teams a small bit better if we were to do something along those lines. Um, 
but far be it for me to to question the the, the mister uh, and the professor and what he's <laughs> going to do tomorrow. But um, like it's just a funny one, I suppose. Let's talk about it, uh, about this for a moment, Paddy, if you don't mind. I, I'll just switch topics on the fly. There's a lot like you're beginning to see messages or begin to see tweets and stuff like that. Well, Villa have only scored one goal in their last two ga- last three games, and you're kind of going. Yeah, like like what what do you what do you expect? We've had a brilliant, brilliant start to the season. There's going to be a lull period, and you know, of course, we, yeah. you might say we're on that, but we've only last was it two games since September or since October or something like that. It's, we're still on a ridiculous run. Fourteen points mm-hmm. ahead of this team that we're playing tomorrow against Newcastle. Eleven points ahead of Man United. Eight points ahead of West Ham in sixth place. Um, you know, so we're we're our trajectory is still high. That's why tomorrow is massive for us, Paddy. Win tomorrow, you're 17 points ahead of Newcastle at this time of the this time of the season. But Man United on the horizon, you know, you win these next two games, it would be an absolute capitulation if we weren't finished in the top five. Um, I would say at that stage. But uh, so that that that's how much these two games mean to us. I think. Yeah, like they're they're pivotal to our season. I think I think they're the two games we look back on if if we win them, and and we're celebrating at the end of the season. We'll be celebrating because we won these two games. They they they'll be the ones that keep that distance between ourselves, West Ham, Newcastle, uh, Manchester United. If you said because it'll mean that they they dropped drop points and and not to forget we're going to have a really tough trip to, to Bramall Lane. We know how difficult they made it for us at, at Villa Park as well. So, um. That'll be another test of our our, uh, our ability to to break down these teams. And look, they play a bit different at Bramall Lane, so I'm, I'm, I, we'll we'll get to that later on in the week. But yeah, it's a huge game, absolutely huge game. As I said, I think it'll be open and wide. Um, I'm expecting a good few goals tomorrow. I'm expecting I'm expecting both teams to score, but I'm expecting us to win the game. And I th- I think this could be one of those games that we look back at the end of the season and say. Just that game was a dinger, wasn't it? It was a really good, open, expansive game of football, similar to the one that we played at home last season. Yeah, I was just about to say, you know, the three uh, nil last season was a real kickstart towards to 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 the second half of the season. Well, it was it was towards the very end of the season, but you know, it was a real kickstart and got people believing. Jesus, there could be European football here. Another one of those. Now another another signature performance tomorrow could be really really big for this team. Um, as I said, then we've got Sheffield United, who could forget about that on Saturday. Uh, you can come and watch it with us and 230-odd Villa fans in in, in Limerick, <laughs> if there's uh, if you so wish. Um, we've got Sheffield United, and then, you know, it's it's every game then begins to become a cup final after that, you know, mm-hmm. with regards to the fact that, you know, you start beating the teams below you and creating distance. There comes a time... And, and, and let's, let's not forget when people are getting downhearted and worried that we've come through January, we're still in the FA Cup, we're still in the top four, and we still have so much to play for, yet we haven't had a great run of results in January. So, as, as you said, we, we we obviously drew with Everton, we beat Middlesbrough 1-0, then we drew with Chelsea in the FA Cup. We're still in the FA Cup, potential of a very good draw in the next round, or a winnable um, game in the next round. Um, there's still a lot to play for, a lot to be hopeful for. Um, the whole transfer scenario is a strange um, merry-go-round at the moment because there's very little happening. And I think it's going to stay that way. I, I don't envisage we're going to see an absolute bombshell of, of transfers happening in the last few days of the window for us or anybody, judging by how this transfer window has gone. There's an awful lot of very 
very shaky team looking at their bank balances and worrying about financial fair play and nobody is blinking. And because nobody is blinking, the, the merry-go-round hasn't really started. You've got one or two people moving side to side, but no no big transfers, no huge money being spent, um, especially in the Premier League. So um, we could be as you were when we, uh, when we go to um, Manchester United or even Chelsea next week. So we'll just have to I- wait and see. Yeah, I, I still hold out that I would be very surprised if there isn't movement, uh, if there isn't one person in. Um, it's not beyond the realms of possibility mm-hmm. um, because it's balance sheet management. And look, I suppose let's talk about those couple of elephants in the room today as well, but even go back to to the summer when we signed like Sid Diaby and signed like like Paul Torres. I remember watching the Villa, uh, well, sorry, it isn't the Villa View anymore, 18, and Bardell's going to murder me for that, by the way, um, 1874 podcast. And I remember that uh, uh, Greg Evans brought up the specter of FFP and, and of the profit, profit and sustainability um, review piece uh, as well and was roundly panned for it. Uh, and at the time, I was on the cusp of a wave and I was like, oh, I don't want to hear it. I know it's coming. I don't want to hear it. I was like that as well. But, you know, um, the Piper has to be paid at some stage with regards to that. It's not fun. It's been one of, one of the reasons why I haven't done many podcasts this month. One of the many reasons why I haven't done, done a lot of podcasts this month is uh, um, the whole Premier League and the whole transfer window itself after the sanctions and the, the sanctions given to, to uh, the initial sanctions given to Everton. I think they were fine. I don't think people took too much notice of them. But the second round of sanctions to Everton and Nottingham Forest, I think a lot of people took notice and went, hold on a minute here now, we don't know what's going to happen here. We need to wait and see what happens to these guys here because we're all sailing close to that wind as well with regards to that. I think every team, uh, bar maybe four teams within the league, is in that situation. But it's like like for Aston Villa then, you see, you see uh, pieces come out this morning with regards to Jacob Ramsey and then John Duran in a swap plus money deal for Amanda Broja and stuff like that. But the Ramsey one, Paddy, I just think it's a thing and nothing. I don't think there's anything in it. I think it's late window, late window um, reporting. I'm not saying that David Arnstein is, is making it up. Don't get me wrong. I think somebody, I think there could have been a situation where somebody said in an ideal world, if Maggie Almiron went, I'd love somebody like Jacob Ramsey from Aston Villa. And I think maybe that's where uh, where, where things like that, that this one probably came from. Um, I don't deny that he was told that that was the case, but like at the end of the day, Aston Villa would love to have Kylian Mbappe, you know, playing off that left-hand side <laughs> as well, but, you know, it, it ain't going to happen. And that's facetious yeah. of me, I know, but what do you make of the Jacob Ramsey thing, Paddy? Because there's been, um, I, I will say, the financial fair play conversation around the, 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 the Ramsey stuff has been very uncontextual very unfinished and to be honest with you some of it's been wild um, it just doesn't make any sense yeah and I, before I get on to the Ramsey thing I, I do believe a lot of the clubs don't truly understand where they're at with financial fair play yep <laughs> and, and, and that, that, that yeah that, that for me is um is one of those you know it's an elephant in the room for everybody everybody has gone oh my god look what's happened Everton there could be heading for a second one um, Nottingham Forest in the same situation, 150 in charges hanging over Manchester City. Is it time just to sit tight and do nothing? And we had Eddie Howe come out and say there was nothing in the Ramsey link. That's fair enough. We've had managers come out before and say there was nothing in the link and the transfer goes ahead. 
Um, I don't believe the transfer will go ahead for a number of reasons. First of all, he's injured. I don't think they'd sign an injured an injured player, um, <laughs> especially in, in the in the January transfer window. If he was carrying a knock going into the summer where he had a, a preseason to get over it, I could see it happening, but not at this time of year. Um, I do believe that Unai Emery is a big fan of his, so I think he'd be reluctant to let him go, especially without an, an able-bodied replacement coming in before the window closes. And finally, I don't think we need to sell just yet. Now, I know people have reported that we will probably sell one asset in the summer, and that's fine. We might need to do that before the 30th of June when the when the when the um financial year ends. Um who knows? That that could be anybody. That could be that could be Luca Dean going to Saudi Arabia, that could be a hundred million pound bid for Douglas Louise. I don't know, Leon Bailey, whoever whoever it chooses to be, that might have to happen. But um th- there's a lot going on with financial fair play and I'm I'm reluctant to be uh Anyway, worried about what's what's happening with us, but I think everything is just a little bit cagey, and we probably need to get a few players off the books before we bring in anybody. And who knows that that could be a loan, um, a loan loans out. We know we know there's uh, there's 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 definitely one or two in there that could still go, if not three, um, oh, yeah. preferably preferably on a on a on a permanent. And I don't mean it in any derogatory way when I say. That those three players are Bertrand Triori, Callum Chambers, um, I don't know who else. The Donker, Donker's gone already, Donker, but he was the gone, one, yeah. gone on loan, yeah. Um, who knows? Even Robin Olsen could go. You don't know. Don't know what what if if the offer was there, would they take it? Yeah, they probably would. So there's a lot of there's a lot of play. Um, I I think there's a lot of um moving pieces that need to happen before we would spend any money. There is probably money earmarked, probably to bring in Rogers, but that looks like now that they could be looking for too much, and that could kibosh that deal. Rogers, I, I, I don't. Okay, I, I've been speaking to a couple of um, people. Uh, hopefully, I'll have one, if not two, of them on, on a podcast tomorrow uh, to release at some stage tomorrow. Hopefully, that'll be the case. Um, it seems to be that the Rogers thing, and it's coming from people in in, in Middlesbrough. It seems to be that the Rogers, it's the 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 staging of payments and stuff like that. So Villa were doing seven and a half up front and seven and a half afterwards. It's 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 all about the staging of payments so that Middlesbrough can get out from underneath the, the percentage sell on clause that they have with Man City number one, and then also um get more money on their balance sheet as well because Middlesbrough have been racking up uh, debts as well like like every other team in the in in the English in the game in, in English football, um so I expect it to be done. I just think Villa will probably need to stage the payments probably seventy five percent, um twenty five percent or something like that, but. Mm. Uh, that's and that's another thing with regards to Rogers, as people who know that I've seen before. Um, I think he's probably coming in to compete on that left hand side, but I don't think he's a replacement for Jacob Ramsey because a lot of people's minds went there as well today. I just don't see it. They're not they're not similar players. They're not they're not they're not similar players at all. Um, in my in my view, uh, and I think that he more like more than likely be coming in to compete with that as a number ten for me, would be uh, Rogers with the ability to float out onto the left-hand side, probably even competing with the likes of Diaby, you know, for, for not for game time and not to force Diaby out of the team, but initially, I think that that's where, where, where he would be. But that's that, that's neither here nor there. 
Um, what you making the John Duran stuff, Paddy? It feels like we're just doing nothing but talk, talking about John Duran. I, I still think there's nothing in it. I just, I just think it will be an absolute bonkers transfer. Not, not, not that Chelsea aren't well known for bonkers transfers, but I, I just think it would be a bonkers transfer for an unproven player to come in for for what they're going to end up spending, um, considering what they already have there. So it, it just doesn't make any sense to me that Chelsea would be doing that. If it was somebody else further afield or overseas, then I would think there might be something in it. I just can't see him going to Chelsea at all. Mm. Yeah. Um, a couple of comments there as well, guys. I, 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 we're not neglecting those comments there uh, as well. Uh, a couple of things there about with regards to you know potentially being forced to sell sell youth players and stuff like this. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to get up in this high horse with regards to, it, but I think a lot of teams in the Premier League have been arrogant, and I don't think it's the top teams that have been arrogant with regards to this. I think the top teams have set themselves up better with regards to this. I think the 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 likes of Spurs have done an outstanding job on their balance sheet. You know, um, while still being able to stay competing, competing at the top level, I have been ripping the doors down, wondering why the likes of Southampton and and those guys are spending twenty and thirty million, twenty million, um, and even I said about James Trafford this season, buying Man City, Manchester City youth players have never played in the Premier League for twenty million pounds. Like the reason Man City can spend money is they got Erling Haaland for sixty million. They've basically won everything in front of them. And they get to sell people like Shea Charles and Gavin Bazuno, who are good players and they're right, but are nowhere near twenty million pound players when they were sold. They may turn out to be twenty million pound players, but they weren't twenty million pound players when they were sold. Um, like so, Man City have recouped the bones of a hundred million from players that never played for them in the Premier League. Uh, like Aston Villa recouped a hundred million from a player that when we left, when he left. Perslow was too upset to tell us that he left, so he went away and signed three players and he stayed. And it took a year for any of those three players to show any promise, and one of them was sold uh, shortly afterwards. And Danny Ings, you know, so it's it, the, the I, I genuinely believe that there's 15 clubs at least in this league, uh, 15 clubs, I think, in this league that thought that they could band together and um, that the FFP rules may not ever come back to bite them. And now that they've seen the sanctions, that they are coming back to bite. And I'm not saying the Villa are in trouble or have been mismanaged or anything like that. I think it was always a case of, right, we'll see how hard the teacher hits first. You know, that kind of a thing. And now that they've seen what the strike is like, they're kind of going, yeah, you know, we can get we can get back within our means and things will be okay. But I think there's a lot being made out of it because of the suddenness of it. Like we've seen January transfer windows before where 500 million, a billion has been spent in a January transfer window because everyone's spending like drunken sailors. It's not to say that those days are absolutely gone, but it's to say that they're not happening in this one because teams are kind of going, yeah, look, someone's been given out to us, someone's been given detention, we're all going to stay quiet in class for the rest of the, for the rest of the, this class, and then when we go out, and then when, when summer happens, we'll be bucket mad again, hopefully. Um, and I think there is an element to that. I, I, I definitely do. Um, but look, the Man, Man Cities uh, of this world, like Man United, don't need to worry about it because the revenue is so high because of all the shirts they sell. That's the 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 tangent I went off on about a week and a half ago about about the stadium. I'm I'm indifferent about the stadium. We need to start just selling bloody more shirts. That's number one, and then the stadium then would be number two for me. Man City sell shirts, and it it basically covers everything that they need uh, within their club. Man City are selling are selling young players, and Spurs have really got that that experience in the stadium down in the NFL deal. What a Villa Villa have you know. What, what do we have other than the the colloquial fan base and 
chumps like myself and Paddy who come over from Ireland every so often, you know. So we've a lot of catching up to do from that point of view. Um, and yeah, it's 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 just it's look, it's 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 happened. People have started to take notice of it and started to say, yeah, this is this is a real thing. Now we've seen a sanction and the Man City 115 things. That's completely different. That's actually fraud more so than it is sustainability from a financial fair play point of view. It's actual fraud. So, um, yeah, let's let's park that, I suppose, for another conversation, especially <laughs> the 115 Man City ones. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, look, look, I still think that we'll people in. But, yeah, exactly. We And I still think we'll get players in. I think we will stay... Um, uh, we will get get a player through the door, I think, before the uh, before the end of the transfer window. You'd like to think so, but with, with only a couple of days left and, and a game tomorrow, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. But we don't know what's going on. As I said, those moving parts are the, are the big deal. If we if we can move on one or two, then one or two would probably come in. Um, a couple of people mentioned in the comments with the big wages that the likes of Traore and Dean are on. Then Donker was on huge wages, so all of the all of these things are plus to get to, to get Don Donker out there to to move on. Bertrand Traore would be great. It would it would have been great for him to light up the African Cup of Nations <laughs> and get a move somewhere before it all finished. But that looked like it's unlikely to happen at this stage. Yeah, uh, well, you never know. I think what what do we say? We were, we went through the the closing dates for some of the the transfer windows there. You never know. Uh, we might get people out after we're able to bring people in, but uh, yeah, Afcon being on in the middle of the, the transfer window has, I think, been poor for a lot of those players from the point of view yeah. that a lot of them probably were hoping that they might be able to get moves during the Afcon. But uh, like, it's just a, it's just a weirdly placed competition. Every single like, I it's never on in the time un- that anybody wants it. I can never understand why they play it in the middle of the European season when mo- most of the top players are playing in Europe. And there's a two-year window there where they could play it in the summer. Now, I know it's warm there in the summer and it's difficult, but they're used to playing in those those uh, <laughs> that type of temperature. So I don't understand why it's not played on, on the year that the, the European Championships and the World Cup is not played. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm sure there's some logical reason for it, but it surely doesn't help some of them players get a, a move to... The, the bigger leagues because it's to do with it's to do with climate yeah but here's mm. my solution for a paddy play the afcon play the play the european championships play the copper america play them all in the same year you have the copper america in the middle of the night you've the you've the european all the european games starting from four o'clock onwards start the african games in a, a couple of hours earlier before the sun hits the you could be sitting down on a Tuesday from 10 a.m. in the morning till 2 p.m. 2 a.m. at night, and you could be watching soccer or football or whatever you want to call it, wherever you are in the world, and it would be absolutely glorious. You could have 24 hours of of uh, of, of football because you could p- run the Asian Cup as well at the same time. Just yeah. do it. It makes so much sense. And then we don't have <laughs> then players get a proper break every four for three out of every four years. Well, two out of every four years, should I say? Just do it. Admire me. Get rid of. And while you, while you when you say it is the heat, it, it like the southern part of Africa is at its hottest at the moment, whereas North yeah. Africa is at the coolest. So it that's why I'm saying it doesn't make a whole pile of sense. You you could play this in the southern part of Africa every two years, and mm. uh, put up with the mediocre temperature somewhere else. But um, yeah, look, it's it's just one of those strange ones. That you know what you I, I, 
do you know what you actually do? Bring it to a random place in the world. So, like, let's play all those games in France, Germany, or somewhere like that, you know, instead of centralize it. Now, I've gone too far with that one. I think I might have lost the audience on that one. I don't think I get too many votes for that one. But I definitely think that if there was a streamlining of all those tournaments when they were on, it, it gives players an awful lot more... Um, uh, it gives players time to actually breathe and break because at the moment... While you brought up that, I, I would like to give the Premier League a little bit of a pat on the back. I usually give them a kick on the arse, but I'd like to give them a bit of a pat on the back that they've never brought any of their games abroad like yeah. we saw the, the Italian Super Cup and we saw the Spanish Super Cup over the last few weeks. That's very hard to watch. Very, very hard to watch. It's actually really, really annoying that they're bringing it out there. So, fair play to the Premier League. I hope they never do that. I hope they never do the threatened one in America. That would, I think that would, uh, they, you know, they, they play a lot of friendlies there in the summer. It's 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 the Premier League. Um, they get, some of them even come to Ireland and play, play friendlies if people can't get there. But, all the games should stay within the the country, as far as I'm concerned. And I just think it's wrong to be playing your your uh, your games uh, your games abroad. And uh, yeah, it, I couldn't even watch the the Barcelona Real Madrid game for that reason. It's very very hard to to even fathom what they're doing. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think I think we would have had it only for the reactions of some of the fans of the Super League. I think that possibly would, I, hey, only for the reaction of the fans of the Super League. I'd imagine we'd have some sort of Royal Rumble football match at the moment, whereby uh, two players start out, out in the field trying to tackle each other and score, and then every thirty seconds there'll be players brought in. I think the Premier League would have tried some wild things, but I think the Super League is uh, uh, the the dissolution or the perceived dissolution of the Super League has made the Premier League go right. Let's let's stay within our lane here because they were definitely going abroad with one. They were definitely going abroad with a game. Without, without a shadow of a doubt, I would imagine the first game of the season or the last game of the season would have been abroad. Um, or maybe the, maybe the, they would have introduced another game uh, or, or not had the 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 game after the, the bye week or the game before the bye week that they have in around this Christmas time, should I say. That would have been the game that they would have had. Um, but that was next, I suppose, really, when, when, the, when the, the Super League got such a poor reaction. And thankfully it did because um, I don't think the, cl- the clubs don't need it. Um, everybody's a dodgy box, it seems, in the world. So everyone's able to watch the games, and 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 they get they get their fill. <laughs> I think. Um, right, we're going to leave it at that. In case anybody doesn't noticed, I'm low energy today because uh, I've, I don't know if anybody else has this. Just it's just an annoying cold. I've had it for about three or four weeks now. I need to shake it before this weekend. Um, so uh, I think we're going to end it on that note, Paddy. We've been well, we've been on for over half an hour anyway. And um, we're going to be back again tomorrow with Team Sheet Tantrums, post-match podcasts and stuff like that. Um, as I say, I'm trying my best to sit down with two people, two separate people from um, one a Middlesbrough fan, another one a Middlesbrough reporter to talk a bit about the potential Rogers deal tomorrow. And I've got one or two other little things um, up my sleeve to see if we can get out uh, before now and uh, or between now and and uh, and the end of the week. So uh, stay tuned. And obviously any transfer stuff as well, we'll try and get to you with that too. But I hope everybody stays safe and stays healthy. I hope you all join us tomorrow for the, for the Team Sheet Tantrum. And in the meantime, all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa.
Social Podcast Network.